Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost... Half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betcha Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN means the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I am Amanda Duberman, the news director here at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the Betches Up newsletter. And I'm Noe Tamaris, comedian and sub-video contributor. Hello, gals. Before we get into our number today, I do want to take a moment just to like reflect on the fact that Monday's episode happened with Alana Glazer. I know. So much fun. Super, we really super. got into it. We really did. <laughs> she was so generous. I mean, yeah, so generous. Like, but she also mm-hmm. had like just some really great points and yeah. things that were like made me optimistic for the future, which is something that. Not a lot of comedians can do <laughs> like be funny, have cool, challenging, like mm-hmm. art and also be like opinionated and have like optimistic She's, and like actually take yeah. action in it, too. That's very rare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's also just I mean, as a fan of Broad City, the whole I feel like everyone knows the feeling of being like. I would be friends with Abby and Alana. So it yeah. was fun to like be like, oh, I really would get along. Yeah. With <laughs> when she gave us hugs goodbye, that was a that was a life. I her just being was here like, was finally. a career high. And then a hug goodbye was really just a personal, a personal achievement. We also made a video with her, which will be coming out soon, but that was incredibly fun to like actually get to like make content with Alana Glazer. And of course, Glennis Mahar, who's such a badass in her own right. Yeah. Like, so knowledgeable. I've been able to get to know her like this year. She's like one of those stars of democratic politics that you might not ever see, but is is going to help us get the right people uh, in power. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like just felt so optimistic and like happy to know that like obviously not only like the celebrity with star power is on our, our side, but also just this incredible political mind who's like, really forward thinking and is conscious of all the things that we basically complain about. Yes, exactly. I know it was definitely like the, it was, that was one podcast where it's like, we really barely looked at the outline, which are always the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing will top <laughs> Miss Pat saying <laughs> that. Miss Pat people- saying some things these people never heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Miss <laughs> Pat roasting Morty. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. All right. We'll get back to our outline today. If you did not listen to that episode, please and share it with your friends. It was really incredible. It was a really special episode. Um, and you'll get just like a lot of just she just like went in on the studios, mm. like didn't give a fuck. I was like, should I take some of this out? But she was like, no, I'm saying this. Like, this is what's happening. So if you didn't check it out, yeah, check it out. We'll get in today's episode. So today's number, because of course we start with a number, is 117,000. That is how many fans and spectators were estimated to attend the first game of the Women's World Cup in New, D- New Zealand. So this set a record for the fans at any soccer game, men or women's, in the country of New Zealand. 
And they are hosting it along with Australia. And the Australian team, which I just love, is called the Matildas. I wish all teams had like a fun, cute nickname. Apparently they do. But ours is Stars and Stripes, which just doesn't work anymore. No, that yeah. sounds like a Jason Aldean album. Oh no. God. Oh, God. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get into all of that. We're, when we get to our men, okay. But first, we're going to talk about the women who are thriving. Of course, in that game, there were 75,000 spectators. So FIFA did not expect this type of support for this Women's World Cup. There are Getting tickets to this are incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult and frustrating, apparently, because originally they didn't even pick stadiums that were big enough for the demand. So at a certain point, they had to move some of these games around, change the schedules. The process of getting tickets sounds pretty on par with with getting Taylor Swift tickets. And uh, yeah, several of the games had to be moved to bigger stadiums. So this is going to be a pretty big tournament. It's expected to be the biggest ever. The U.S. team plays its first game tomorrow against Vietnam, and this team is pretty stacked as usual. It is the most diverse team in U.S. history. The ages of the players range from 18-year-old Alyssa Thompson to 38-year-old Megan Rapinoe. Can you guys imagine working with somebody 20 years younger than you? I had to spend like roasted. again a week, yeah, or a week with my 14-year-old niece, and Perfect. it was very, you know, very fascinating what they're doing <laughs> over there. So yes. It's What's what is? Is crazy. there anything you learned from from the youth that you that is what struck you the most? I what struck me the most is that she will get on a I I'm pretty sure it's a FaceTime, but with her friends for hours, and she'll like eat. They dinner, really do her that. Friends will eat. They walk around, but it but to me it just looks like a work conference call. So it's yeah. like they're in a conference call with their friends on video for hours, but they're all like the agenda items are this guy's um this boy's this girl's boyfriend sucks and like mm-hmm. oh my god our teacher's a bitch or whatever. So it's just mm-hmm. interesting that it looks like Zoom to me. But and this is what the kids are doing. And it's like, sorry, me and my friends are all like far away from each other this summer. Like back in our day, we would send a pair of jeans to each other and vicariously live through traveling pants. Yeah, we would all wear the same dirty jeans and lose our virginity (laughs) in said jeans. Yeah. But now these kids nowadays, they're on freaking six hour Zoom calls. Yeah. That's the thing that appalled me. Being around a teenager is like being in in a cab because you know when you're in a lot of cabs and the drivers might have originated from far away and they're on the phone with their family all day, which is great. But that's I find when I encounter teens, like I'll just like sort of be in a coffee shop and someone will be like, did you hear that? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? No, no, I didn't. And they're not talking to me. They're just always... Always, I, I I love that. I wish millennials would incorporate more of that. Like they all have, they're like find their friends on me. I t- mm-hmm. I like feel I like if I text my friends, I'm like certainly I. This is the biggest nuisance. <laughs> I think we could all inherit some of that. Yeah, they're like she's like I'm gonna mute now. I'm gonna eat my like I'm eating dinner. I'm but muting. they're still looking at each other and they're still looking and like I'm just like just take a, hang up. So it's hang like up the phone. It's like they're all in a very like a long distance romance with each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's very interesting because I feel like as a millennial, like, okay, I remember being younger and being on the phone a lot with friends. And then once AIM happened, mm-hmm. like once AIM and instant messaging became a thing, I feel like millennials moved text-based and we moved to texting, group chatting, kind of always being on in like a text format. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and I never, I've, I don't really have a ton of people that I talk to on the phone that aren't like my 
family, but I'll have really long, like, like, like the way that I text is I'm kind of in conversation with some of my friends all day long or like a group chat that's going all day long. So it's kind of like a similar vibe, but I would never be on the phone like that or like I'm, and I don't really face even now, like I prefer calls over FaceTime. Like when I call my sister or my mom, like those are the people I really like call on the phone. It's always just a call. I'm not really FaceTiming. Them. I guess with a call, because then you can't be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to mute while I eat because that would just be weird. And then you're interrupting the yeah. flow of the many hours conversation. But good for you, girlies. <laughs> Stay connected. Three of these players are moms. They include Julie Ertz, who returned um, – from maternity leave. So she had her baby last October and she just returned to playing in April. She like quietly started training with like an elite, um, like men's team in their like early twenties, I think. Um, just not really sure if she was going to get to the position she wanted to be in to ask to be, you know, just put herself forward for the roster. Uh, but she made it months after months after coming back to the sport. And the other moms are Alex Morgan and Crystal Dunn. A lot of the people you saw in 2019 are injured. So they're not either, you know, they're either not on the roster or they're there and hoping to feel good enough to play. Like Rose Lavelle is in, Australia, but I think she's injured. So hopefully she'll have some time in terms. But I think the United States is just like the women's team is I my understanding so much better than most teams in the world that like any US team is an incredibly a stacked team. So let's talk about money. In terms of prize money, there's $150 million available to win. That is three times more than there was in 2019. The last time that was just $30 million. But for the men's tournament, there is $440 million at stake, so a $300 million difference. And yes, before you say, Amanda, more people watch the men's tournament, I'm aware, but if you do the math, the women's prize money is still not proportionate. We're looking at kind of a a boring graphic. I'm not going to like detail the numbers, but more people are watching. And basically, if you were going to do a proportionate to the viewers, it would still be more than $150 million. There's also going to be a new payment model this tournament based on a lot of the advocacy after this one, where, you know, in the last one, like it could literally cost people money to play in the World Cup. But for this one, I believe every player that goes is, is part of any game is going to make at least $30,000. And then you make more the longer your team stays in. Wow. Can I go and play one game? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> This will be the U.S. women's team first World Cup since their $24 million settlement with the U.S. Soccer Federation over pay disparity. So part of that settlement was that the men and women's teams agreed to pool their World Cup money. So if the women's team wins this year, which, you know, they're they're widely expected to, they will be sharing some of that with the much less internationally successful men's team. So the winning women's team in the FIFA World Cup this year, they stand to bring in about $10 million. The U.S. men's team, when they played, it was just last year, right? They made it to the knockout stage, but just for that, they got $13 million. <laughs> but this is 23. So basically, you know, the women are, if they win, they'll get 10. The men performed uh, okay, and they got 13. Add that together, that's $23 million, and that will be split among all of the players. So, you know, that's equity, folks. You know, it benefits it benefits the men when the women it's a really it's a great deal for the men because the women are definitely gonna win. And <laughs> no, it gives, I'm about to, I'm like, <laughs> Wait, I'm confused. Yeah. So there's hundred and fifty two million dollars for the whole then- tournament. So like there's so many teams that like every round people can make more and more money. So it's not that the final team wins hundred there's not like a hundred fifty two okay, million dollar okay. grand prize. The grand prize is ten million. Okay. And then that's like what's left over for the final for the final team to take home. But again, for the U.S. men's team, they got more than that, three million more than that, just for making it to 
the knockout stage. But yeah, this is part of the the equal pay part that feels like it pinches. But then when you look at it, you know, in terms of what real equity means, you know, this is this is the solution that they they came to. So if the women win that, the men, the U.S. male soccer players stand to benefit as well. So if I were them, I'd be cheering extra hard. If I had ten, <laughs> I could stand to make ten million dollars. Do you guys like watching uh, the? I love the women's World Cup. Yeah, I so like. I'm not a huge sports person in general, but whenever there's like a World Cup, I do feel like I will get invested just because I like the energy of global exactly. <laughs> of global play, like even more than like, I don't know, the Super Bowl or mm-hmm. like whatever, um, like just like national championships. Like there's something about when you're like, watching countries play against each other that is very, very fun to me. And I like the, I just love the energy around the world cup. Like when you're walking by a bar and people are watching and they have like, they're rooting for Spain or France or whoever they're rooting for the U S like whatever. It's just, there's something more fun about it to me. So I will usually like, I mean, if there's a really big game, lots of people are watching and I know my friends are like going to a bar to watch it. I'll join. Or sometimes like we'll just have it on in the house and soccer football is one of the ones that I feel like I can watch. And even though I'm not like, I don't know everything about the sport, I I can watch the ball and understand the way I understand how to recognize a goal being scored and whatnot. Like, I understand kind of the basics. And when it was close, yeah. Whereas, like, with football, I truly, deeply am confused every single second. And it's one of those things that I have had it explained to me. (laughs) And my brain is just not willing to kind of accept the information. And so we'll leave it there. (laughs) American football is hard because there's a lot of stopping and starting and numbers and stuff like that. Where it's like, Soccer is like boop boop boop, and basketball game. is like hoop 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 hoop, and right. it, every second counts. I yeah. feel like um, soccer, it soccer is so fun. Women's sports is so exciting. I feel like that is something definitely incrementally we have seen so much progress, um, and that's like something where it's like four World Cups ago you know we wouldn't even have this conversation so like that's good and there's just some exciting things happening in the sport in general like the angel city team with natalie portman and and america fiera and all these like female owners and it's just a really exciting space there's a really great ad um i don't know if y'all saw it for the french uh women's soccer team and basically what they did was they're like look how great our men's soccer team and they show them doing like these killer plays and like all of france really cheering for them and then they're like actually this is ai this is actually the women's team and we like made them look like men but this is actually how good our women play Mm -hmm. so you should support our women's team and it's like yeah, like that's awesome, you know, and and as we're talking about, you know, we had like a really great NCAA, you know, college mm-hmm. basketball and all that stuff. Like, it's just really exciting. And the world can be very doom and gloom as we're going to go through the rest of this outline <laughs> for today's episode. But women's sports is very exciting. 
And it's cool to see progress. And I enjoy, again, like watching it at a bar and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And it's just like really fun. And like the different times, like waking up early to see who's scoring and all that stuff. Um, It's just really fun. And especially like after uh, the Men's World Cup took place in in Saudi Arabia, which is like. (laughs) notoriously like they don't let women play there and there's all this really difficult stuff so it's cool to hear at the other end like exciting fun things so yeah it feels good to root for them and to be part of this yeah Yeah. like I like you were saying Elise like the world cup and the women's world cup it really it's like a rare time like where it's like a shared global experience like you know like you're walking by a bar in Bed-Stuy that's dedicated to a Dutch game and there's also probably a bar in like you know, Nicaragua that's dedicated to a Dutch game. And um, yeah, Yeah. it's a a fun month and it's nice. It'll be nice to have some entertainment (laughs) while the actors and writers aren't making any. It is true. It's also funny to me that like Australia and New Zealand are doing it together. (laughs) They're just like, we're both going to do it. (laughs) Everybody knows we're besties. And it's also wild like that they're selling that many tickets to a game that's in a place that like is really far for a lot of the world i mean like yeah like even like for for all of the kind of like west europe all whatever all of us like and like all of south america it's still really fucking far so it's yeah i mean it just goes to show like how popular it really is that you're selling out on this level in australia and new zealand when for a large part of the globe, like basically anyone who's not situated in like East and South Asia area or in Australia, New Zealand, it's, it's, that's far. That's far. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if they're already in that part of the world anyway, they might as well just, cause a flight between Australia and New Zealand, I looked it up as like, you know, just under three hours, two to three hours. So it's like, yeah, we might as well hop back and forth and see all there is to see on this part of the hemisphere. Yeah. Well, that's always my thought is I'm like, if I ever go to Australia or New Zealand, I'm like, I'm going and then I'm going all around and I'm like, I'm like, if I'm in that part of the world, I'm going all over. You're not going back. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's like that's a full like month and a half off. I'm eat, pray, loving all over the entire area. Sydney. Yeah, for sure. Imagine being invited to a destination wedding in Australia that you felt that you like had to go to. That's 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 far. One country that is a wrinkle in all of this is that Japan, which I believe won the Women's World Cup in 2015, they they couldn't find a broadcaster that would broadcast it. So I believe unless they came up with like a last what? minute solution, the coach, the lead coach was like really rallying to try to make it happen. But if you're in Japan, I believe you just have to watch it, you know, online, but perhaps not with Japanese um Commentary, announcing, commentary, commentary not yeah, with Japanese commentary. commentary. <laughs> Excuse me. I got I got 25 minutes in before I was at a loss for words with sports. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> you know what? Good for you, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right, now we will move on to our main news. The season of Trump indictments continues. I am watching my push notifications as we are recording this to see if we're going to get another indictment notification. Donald Trump has informed the public, he did this over the weekend, that his lawyers have been notified that the former president is a target of a third indictment, this time finally related to his efforts to overturn the 2022 election. We've been waiting so long. We've been waiting so long, almost three years. Special counsel Jack Smith has already indicted Trump in the classified documents case. This is a very busy man. Can you imagine? Like whenever I think I'm busy now, like I'm like, oh, I have two two huge priorities that are both of equal importance. I'm just going to think of Jack Smith where he's handling the stolen documents, espionage case and the insurrection case. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see his Google calendar. (laughs) No, absolutely not. So special counsel Jack Smith has conducted a wide-ranging investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the election and encourage the insurrection. The So there's a grand jury in Washington, and they're meeting again today, which is why people think the indictment could be imminent. Uh, usually when Trump gets that letter, he has four days to decide whether he's going to testify. Today, I believe, would be the fourth day if he got it Sunday. Some of the charges that we could see could pertain to deprivation of rights, conspiracy to commit an offense or defraud the United States, plus tampering with a witness. There's Potentially what's really interesting about this one is I've been reading that like there's a lot of information we might not even know for all the reporting we have about what Trump was up to. You know, they got testimony from who like Hope Hicks, Jared Kushner, like we might learn there might be a lot to learn uh, from this indictment. And this is one this was totally separate from the case in Georgia, where the grand jury will soon be seated to consider separate charges related to Trump's efforts to overturn the election there. So the DA there, Fannie Willis, has told law enforcement to prepare for a potential August indictment. So to prepare for any like demonstrations or or presence in the area. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast and our other Sammy's Morning Nons, then you know these are not Trump's only pending concerns. This guy is about to be booked and busy. The former president already has four trials. <laughs> scheduled during the next eight months with two more probable criminal indictments. Finally, I've been waiting for the day where it was like you just lost track of the indictments. And he's running for president. He's really trying to have it all here. Slow down, man. (laughs) Yeah. Set some boundaries, Donald. I was seeing articles about how difficult it's going to be for him to run considering the indictments and the settlements of it all. Yeah. And the classified documents when like his lawyer is trying to get the hearing punted until after the election. Cause they're like, we simply can't be 
running for president while doing this. And I'm like, then maybe stop don't run running for president. For, maybe then don't be but running the, yeah. for president. <laughs> I think he knows. I mean, this is this is the threat that there's always been that as long as this man is president or running for president, he is some somewhat inoculated. Um, he also has the civil business, another civil business fraud trial, the one that involves his kids. I think he's actually got two of those. He's got another federal trial for defaming Eugene Carroll and the stolen documents trial in Florida and the hush money trial in New York. So this will make campaigning for president difficult. Um, you know, I don't put it past him to try, but there will be times where like he can't really be at two places at once. If there's, you know, a debate whether he would participate in that or not, it, it will it will definitely put a damper on his ability to campaign. And his lawyers have, like Elise said, have already asked for trials to be delayed until after the 2024 election, specifically because they say he's a candidate for office. So this is clearly his main tactic for avoiding imprisonment for now is being a candidate for office. But the challenge here is that you can absolutely be certain that Trump will simply use the dates of these trials to accuse the federal government of interfering with the 2024 election. He's going to say, oh, my trial is on this date, which is a couple days before this primary, which means that's the government weaponizing itself against me. And, you know, judges will have to consider whether the threat of that perception kind of outweighs the necessity for a speedy trial. Like, is it more damaging for Trump to you know, be able to raise money off of these indictment trials than it is to delay the indictment trials. It really is a nightmare. I mean, the reality is he's going to say it is anyway. So like there was no, you know, obviously like half, like a lot of these trials are because he straight up lied about, the overturning of the election and caused all this shit. And it's like, there wasn't any like proof of anything. So it's, I just hope that that doesn't, you know, stop or cause any federal, um, mm-hmm. federal judges to do any pause. Cause it's just like there, you know, I don't know. It just really reminds me of people who, you know, as a black woman, you know, it's like, well, this person really disrespected me and really hurt my feelings, but I don't want to react because I don't want to get hit with the angry black woman stereotype. And that's very real, but it's also like, they're going to do it anyway. So I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah. you already have those perceptions, like me not being upset ab- about something that anyone would be upset about. It's like anyone would go to fucking jail for any of these crimes, judges. Totally. Don't care. We're, we don't care about stereotypes. We don't care about vision. Just fucking yeah. send what us to jail. What if he raises money off kids. of this? Yeah. He's going to for the rest he's of his life. He raised so much money off of this. That's the thing, too. It's like, like completely defrauding people. I guess that's just, yeah. you know, and it's just always been my pet peeve. Yeah. Of like people who obviously, you know, I hate people who don't care about each other and like all this bleeding heart shit. But I'm like, if you don't give a shit about the people that support you, you're a terrible human being. And you are literally like these poor old white people who are scared and racist are giving so much because they truly believe in their hearts mm-hmm. that the government is conspiring and Trump is if just they come for me they'll come for money. you yeah they'll come and for me also they'll come for you 
Because he straight up tricked them into clicking a thing that signed them up for recurring donations that they can't get out of because yeah, they right. like that. Like, like he actually, we're so far beyond. Like, what if he raises money off of this? No, it's like yeah. he is like he's <laughs> yeah. two steps from phishing scams. Like yeah. he's not like that. We can't. It, that's kind of like the mind fuck of this time that we live in. Is like. He is so far outside of normal behavior or decorum of any kind. But yet our side, which we talk about, the anti-Trump side is always like, well, if we do that, he might he might say something unfair about Joe Biden. It's like he (laughs) is saying that it was Joe Biden's cocaine. He is like, like this man. <laughs> Listen, we have a we have a nude Hunter Biden in Congress. The jig is fucking up on what these people will do. I should clarify if you didn't hear that story. It was a picture. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene showed Hunter Biden's leaked nudes from his uh, like that that were stolen off of his from laptop. his really tough time in in yeah. Congress. Well, I'm just going to quickly look that up. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. That is not okay. Do you think she did that in retaliation for the ad they put out with her voice narrating all of Joe Biden's accomplishments? She was like, I'm going to show. She was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm on my way to Kinko's right now. But it's, but again, with the thing that she, just like the ad that Joe Biden did, I'm like, I don't want to make like, cause it's like revenge porn and all that stuff. But also I'm just like, you're making the man look good. Again, <gasps> this has backfired again onto you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. The first time you said Democrats are doing all these things that made Joe Biden look good. So your response to that is to show everyone a nude picture of his hung, handsome <laughs> son. What the fuck is going on? And maybe it's because she's not sexually attracted to him because we know from her ugly side bitch from, from the CrossFit gym in Georgia that maybe she just has bad taste and doesn't think uh-huh. and it, whatever. But what I'm a like, cell phone. But also, come on, Incredible. Marjorie. Yeah, this is not making Joe Biden look bad. His no. son is hung no. and hot. Like, <laughs> she primarily made herself look completely, completely unhinged. So we'll be on indictment watch. It'll probably be again where it's like, here's an indictment. And then he'll go in for his little arraignment where he probably doesn't get a mugshot. But, you know, the thing about this one is that this is finally related to the election interference. We might learn more. We might learn more about what his very close associates, um, you know, told told law enforcement. So uh, this will definitely be a time to to be watching that closely. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. 
Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Dramatic shift here for our next topic in main news. Barbie is finally out. <laughs> The Barbie movie is finally out. I don't know if you have you seen any ads for this. Have you have you caught any of the marketing? Oh no! I, it's a, there's a movie. Okay. There is a there's a Barbie Barbie movie. Who are the stars? <laughs> who's who's? It? Are there any big names in it? <laughs> no no no. My birthday is gonna be Barbie themed, mm-hmm. Barbie Oppenheimer themed, and yeah, Barbenheimer. I'm Barbenheimer, and I'm gonna go see it today at six p.m. So yeah, th- today is Barbie day. Uh, <laughs> today I, I've is been absolutely excited. Barbie day. Me too. So reviews are kind of coming in uh, for the film directed by Greta Gerwig. It's clear that it's like an attempt with the story to question the type of whitewashed corporate feminism we've long associated with Barbie. You know, well, but also like the movie is made in collaboration with Mattel. So like you can only really, you know, roast it or skewer it so much. I've read some reviews that say they're, you know, surprised at how far they let the script go in making fun of the company and some negative things around around Barbie. But I've also read some kind of, some like kind of pretty tough reviews that say it doesn't even really, you know, if it wasn't going to be able to execute on this real critique of, you know, white corporate feminism, you know, don't really try at all, which just made me want to see it more. Uh, But overall, I've I've seen the reviews are like, this is like nothing you've ever seen before. I mean, it's like, it's exactly our shit. Yeah, I've been seeing like, I've been just looking at the headlines because I'm not seeing Barbie until next week because my friend is in town. So I feel like I've been like deftly avoiding any major like story spoilers. But even just like the top line that I've been seeing and I mean, the marketing, the trailers, all of it, it, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited. And given the critiques of Barbie Comparing that to the cast of Barbie is like the critiques of white corporate feminism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not that it's not there, but I'm like, but this cast does not even reflect like it's body diversity. It's it's ethnic diversity. It's non-binary. There are queer people. So that's exciting. And also, I'm not sure if. Even Barbie, the brand itself right now, is not even leaning into that anymore. Yeah. Um, there's a whole line, which I just saw because I was in um, Flushing Chinatown, and there's like this little store, like a Sanrio store. They sell Hello Kitty and stuff. But then you see like the new Barbies they have now, mm-hmm. and it's all like literally just Brooklyn Barbie, like pink hair, leopard print skirt, yeah, like all really? this stuff, like bisexual Barbie. And it's just like, yeah, they're <laughs> not even doing that. Like I wear heels all the time. Like one has mm-hmm. combat boots and the other one wears sneakers and all this stuff. So yeah, well, we're all, we're all looking forward to seeing the movie. Why, why is that? Is it because of the role that Barbie played in your childhood? Is it because, you know, this exciting cast and, you know, the modern story? What, what, why do you think we have like people around our age have this like deep affection and excitement for going to go see this movie? 
I'm really excited about Greta Gorig. Yeah, I think I that her. she has. Stand. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I know that she was just in Francis Ha. I think her husband wrote it. But yeah. like that movie was really great for me. But I loved what she did with Little Women. Like, I think that it's someone who captures a certain like female voice in like in a really accurate, nuanced way of like letting women be, I hate to be like letting women be flawed, but like, you know, it's like there is this arc, unlike everything we've seen with the manic pixie girl of like women are just vessels for men to grow and change or whatever. She, her storytelling with directing and visual and especially with little women, I loved her little women. It was just like, she allows women to their her characters to grow over the course of a film and uses framing and lighting and colors to best exemplify that, you know? So I'm excited to see what she does with an existing IP like Barbie and like what, like how she uses cinema and colors and all of that to make the point she's trying to make and, and like tell the story that she's trying to tell. Yeah, I Ayo Scott here, Millie comes. Jeez, <laughs> cultural. <laughs> I agree with everything Millie said. I'm really um, Greta Gerwig's never missed for me, and I was like a really big fan of the '90s Little Women. So I went into her Little Women being like, "Am I gonna love it?" And then I did love it, and it feels like, like, a, like yeah. I can love both movies for different reasons, which is really awesome. But I think one of the things that stuck out to me, I mean, like so much has been made of the Barbie press tour in general. And obviously, like there's a lot of corporations, studio stuff behind that. But I think what's come through in watching it is the genuine excitement that the cast feels about this movie. And like if you watch, you know, Issa Rae talk about this movie. If you watch Ryan Gosling's interviews about this movie, Margot Robbie, the way Greta Gerwig talks about it, you can tell seemingly like literally all of them, like the way that they talk about this film and even like Gosling talking about reading the script for the first time. Like a lot of them will talk about reading the script for the first time and how it like really blew them away. And so these are all like, artists who I admire who are really high level professionals and to see all of them basically saying like I had the best time making this movie I'm so excited about this movie and to be to really get a genuine vibe from that that has been what made me feel excited about it totally I was reading an interview with her and I think it was about Barbie and she brought up kind of like an aside where it's like she was referencing another book about how like young girls, like you are rambunctious and silly and energetic. And then at a certain point, it kind of, it stops and her movies kind of explore like, why does that stop? Like, and how do we get that spirit back and how beautiful it is to kind of keep that, keep that spirit. So I think it'd be, I think it'll be fun to see um, how, how she does that, how she does that in Barbie. One person giving two thumbs down to the Barbie movie (laughs) is Matt Gates's wife, Ginger. Somehow Ginger these two scored an invite. Ginger, Ginger lucky. lucky, the most unlucky woman. Was she a thing before she married Matt Gates? 
her her family or wasn't mm. isn't her family like prominent Republicans yeah. or not Republican politicians but like donors and like Probably, they're in tracks. the same social group in the way that Princess Diana was like <laughs> around and has been pushed in to repair yes. the family image. Ginger Unlucky. As mm-hmm. Well, she is trying in. to earn her her paycheck. Somehow these two scored an invite to a Florida screening, I believe. And I'm sure that somehow is just that obviously people weren't crossing the picket line. So they were sending invites um, to anybody with probably a blue check next to their name. The far right congressman wife recommends skipping the film after she saw it for the following reasons. She said the Barbie I grew up with was a representation of limitless possibilities, embracing diverse careers and feminine empowerment. Okay. She says that the 2023 Barbie movie uh, neglects to address any notion of faith or family and tries to normalize the idea that men and women can't collaborate positively. (laughs) Those are two, uh, you know, two dramatically um, different things. I don't remember none Barbie. I don't want faith in my Barbie. I don't want butt mitts for Barbie. Barbie, Keep all of that away. Barbie, like, I feel like Barbie famously secular never really addressed faith or family. Like I know (laughs) there are Barbies that are bridal and there are Barbies that are pregnant. And you can push the baby out. (laughs) Or the Barbie. I remember that one. The the Barbie was always just about like her self and her own personal life. Like I don't know who Barbie's mom or dad is. She does have a sister, Skipper. Yeah. Right. I do know that Skipper is her sister. But I feel like yeah, faith and family. Like it's funny to be like I was looking for the Barbie I remember and then to list things that have nothing to fucking do with Barbie at all, even the problematic version of Barbie. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's just like the reality is these conservative ideals center men. So like it's kind of crazy to ask a film about a literal doll, a vehicle of play for young girls. Why isn't this centering men when it's like mm-hmm. as a little girl, do you know, like, wow, I here's a meal plan I made for my husband that didn't help me wash the dishes. Like you <laughs> like, yeah. what do you want to fucking do, Ginger? Get ready with me. Get ready with me while I go to my church with my husband who Venmoed young girls for sex. Like, no, I'm sorry. That's I'm not like, going to be a future of this Barbie movie, which she was also upset about uh, disappointingly low tea from Ken. Um, question. All of, all of the males are Ken, right? I don't know. All of, I okay. think all the men. No, I think that um, Michael Ryan. Sarah is. Um, there is. There's this, like Skipper. Ken and then had there's a another. Ken has a friend, and Michael Sarah is playing the friend. But I know that both Ryan Gosling and Simu Liu are Ken. I think it's very important to remember. <laughs> Michael Sarah is wants- Alan. <laughs> Alan. Yeah. That's so funny. I think it's very important to remember, though. Because Ginger wants us to stick to the original Barbie so closely, right? Is that Ken does not have genitals. So he's low T just kind of by virtue of the fact that he's no no T at all. Uh, he um, doesn't have a penis. He doesn't have balls. He's he not no have, T, no P, no B. Yeah, there's, there's kind of none of that going on. So that's kind of why his testosterone is is low um, and when they say that it's not actually like hormone it's like 
He doesn't assert himself as a man. He's, he's an accessory. Right. There's like, she's everything. He's just Ken, which again, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe is that what she means? These- I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, she means that he's like a beta male. Not the center of the story, like, which like Millie said, yeah. can't exist in that world. But also, I'm just like, there was a G.I. Joe movie. Like, are we talking about, well, the women in the, which I'm like, maybe people were talking about women, re- female representation in the G.I. Joe movie. Or like Transformers or like, where's the robots with titties? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, it, like, it really is equivalent to saying like, like, yeah, the woman in G, she needed bigger tits. Disappointingly small tits. <laughs> yeah, on G.I. Jane. Also, like, again, so she, like, her initial thing is like, it's not the Barbie I know. The Barbie we know, again, does not center Ken. I know when I was growing up, I had Barbies and I had I had like a bunch of Barbies and I had one Ken. Yeah. And like actually one at one point, well, because I would put all my Barbies in the washer machine and watch them get mm. all m- messed up in there. And then I put one in the dryer and her hair got crazy. And my mom was like, you cannot put these things in the dryer. But did they way, melt? Regardless, the hair <laughs> we'll get gets crazy. The hair does get the if you put a Barbie in the dryer. She'll be physically okay, but her hair will become like kind of this plastic melted mess. Um, So definitely don't put your Barbie in the dryer. Uh, But either way, as I was doing that, my Ken's like neck got severed. And so my Ken had truly a severed neck and I just never got another Ken because that's not what it was about. I'm just like reading the history of Barbie now. So the the creator was a... woman businesswoman named Ruth Handler Mm -hmm. and her daughter's name was Barbara so that and she saw her daughter play with paper dolls so that's why it's called Barbie so she Mm -hmm. wanted to give and then this is this is my favorite line realizing there could be a gap in the market Handler suggested the idea of adult uh, bottled (laughs) adult body doll to her husband Elliot co-founder of the Mattel he was unenthusiastic about the idea as were Mattel directors. They didn't even want to make Ken. They didn't even want to make Ken. <laughs> Ken's just lucky to be here. Ken, when I tell you lucky to be here, babe, He's Ken ain't Ken. wasn't even an idea. And her, and her husband was like, flop. <laughs> I thought that it Ugh, was... Not yeah, even a twinkle re- in yeah. a man's. Not even a twinkle in a man's eye. Millie, what's the weirdest thing you did with your Barbies? My mom was like super... Like... You know, feministy and new agey, and she felt like Barbies wasn't a good example for kids, and she felt like it was like she didn't like the titties and the whole like plastic thing. The body was literally so, impossible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she didn't like that, and she felt like then it got kind of like it started out in a good place, and then got kind of slut shaming of like only whores <laughs> do play with Barbies or something like that, which I'm like, they're children, Elise, but, little whore. Yeah, but yeah. so she would only let me play with Cabbage Patch dolls, <laughs> which honestly did look like me, um, and in that way was representation of my body and gave me that body idea. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I feel like I still have the body type of an American Girl doll, and that's oh, fine. Oh, cute! <laughs> Just like um, a little little Gumby, not super toned, but 
fine. Yeah. <laughs> Flexible. Betty Spaghetti. Betty, Betty Spaghetti. Betty was a good one. But then, like, sometimes you'd lose her leg or whatever because mm-hmm. they, they had to, like, all stick in. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, okay, well, now this, now this Betty Spaghetti is, like, kind of needs more help than I can give her. <laughs> yeah, no. I just really hope that there is some scissoring in the movie. There simply has to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you scissored your, you made your Barbie scissor, right? Oh, well, that one Ken, that, the one Ken with the severed neck was fucking <laughs> rolling in it. Though, I will say that I did also just have a stuffed Timon, like, doll that was also around the same. The like, lemur? He was like the, yes, he was the same height as the Barbies, and I just kind of introduced him as another option <laughs> okay. for them. I mean, why not? Yeah. I, oh, yeah, God. so knowing this, yeah. it's just funny because now, I mean, I, I posted on Instagram. Now I'm watching Suits. And yeah. now it's recontextualizing so the monarchy's uh, perspective on Meghan Markle. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm going to rewatch their documentary after I finish Suits. Mm. But like, there's some scenes where Meghan Markle is getting fucked in like a filing cabinet. All, like, it's pretty risque. So I'm like, okay, I kind of get why they were. Mm. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that. Gonna, suits, USA. Oh, I know. Oh. And she has a huge role. Like, I just yeah. didn't. I'm like, nobody watched Suits, blah, blah. Now I'm watching it. I'm like, of course, Harry. And William loved Suits. Of course, they thought this was, like, the greatest, uh, like, television ever. And, of course, like, they thought Meghan Markle, because she wasn't a real human being in there, she just says, like, cute things and leaves. But I'm, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going (laughs) to, like, watching, watching, like, uh, it's, like, a good prompt of going into Mm -hmm. Barbie, knowing Ginger Lucky's critiques, and seeing, like, well, this was the scene that pissed her off, or this was the scene that da-da-da, Yeah, you know? I am most interested in her feedback that it shows that men and suggests that men and women can't collaborative effectively because I don't disagree with that. However, I don't think that's because of women. So I'm I, I'm curious to see how that manifests in in the film. Yeah, I think it's just because like it's just Barbie's pushing the story forward. I think it's more of like the mm. ma- the man are like take the back seat to the women, and she's mm. like collaborative effectively. But it's like. Okay, so are you indicting yourself? Are, are you yeah. saying that you Venmoed the 17 year old Ginger? What's good? All right, now let's discuss Oppenheimer. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not going to get into the plot of, of Oppenheimer. All right, finally for today's Our Men Okay. We are going to talk again about Jason Aldean. Uh, mm. So. Country Music Television has pulled the music video for Jason Aldean's signal, try that single, try that in a small town because it glorifies gun violence and racism. Good reason. Probably maybe not the first thing that's ever aired on CMT to do that. But these lyrics basically admonish things that Republicans love to associate with liberals, hating cops, burning the American flag. Millie, did you just copy and paste to Google Jason Aldean? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, because I, I have a to point. have your mind. To, okay, okay. So these lyrics basically admonish things that were like they're like liberals hate cops. They spit on guns. They burn the American flag. They take away guns. I don't know anyone that's ever done that. He's like very specifically taking you know super specific and rare images from a very intense moment of protesting in 2020 and being like, 
this is this is still the dynamic. So the song was released in May, but this video just came out. My next description, I ran out of time, so this is fully paraphrased from Elise Morales in the Betches Up newsletter. In the video, Jason Aldean stands in front of a courthouse that was the site of the 1946 Columbia fucking race riots where a black man was lynched in 1927. The video is also interspersed with Fox News footage of protests that are not directly traceable but allude to the Black Lives Matter demonstrations of 2020, like I said before. The song is also being condemned as an ode to gun violence because it is. It has lyrics that say, got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. You don't have to be a country music fan to think, huh, Jason Aldean, that, that name sounds familiar, especially in the context of gun violence. That's because Jason Aldean was performing on stage during the 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting, which took the lives of 59 people. We have a lot of mass shootings in this country, and by no means is it appropriate to like compare the casualty number. But but this this was the one where the man was on top of the hotel and fired into hundreds of people and killed 59 of them while Jason Aldean was playing. But that, I guess, did not give him pause around his feelings about, you know, the proliferation of guns in people's homes. And he came out with this video, which CMT did remove. Some others have spoken out, including Cheryl Crow, who was just like, this is really with all of this gun violence. But um, I was genuinely surprised to see like a pop culture person with presumably some goodwill do something this, this so, so clearly horrifying. It's just like, there were a lot of reports too that even during the which anybody would like but during the mass shooting he like ran for his life and like didn't say anything or like mm -hmm. all this stuff so it's just interesting to see that also um it's just like this strategy it's it's a republican cosplay at this point it's the way it's kind yeah. of interesting when we're talking about cultural criticism in the way that like a lot of you know, maybe rappers or whatever will pretend to be richer than they are or like really display wealth in really like whatever ways. I feel like country's the opposite where you have to like play into like your mm. rural, rural roots or whatever, which small town, what does small town say to you? The reason why I was Googling um, Jason Aldean is because like I saw this and I just wanted to confirm it online, but Jason Aldean, his small town is this town called Macon, Georgia, that has 150,000 <laughs> residents. That's, a big, that's a big town. A town. That is not a small town. Exactly. That was kind of my point of like. Did that, that town go for Biden? <laughs> I think, well, because the first thing you see is like, it's a city and it has like really huge monuments to like Native yeah, American got it. and yeah. African Americans, like the, the Tubman Museum, like. There's a lot of cool shit going on there. So it's like interesting that this man mm. from here, it's kind of like Kid Rock saying like, yeah, I'm from the thing when his family is just like rich people in Michigan. Um, so there's that. It, it's just this cosplay. And I'm also just like, I think now it's all about, you know, capitalizing and also like saying the most outrageous things for clout. And then it depending on backlash. Yeah. Is I did like look it up and, and, Joe Biden did win the small town that Jason Aldean is from. So, you know, maybe if you did try to implement some reasonable gun safety legislation in Jason Aldean's, if you gave it a try, I, you might be more successful than Jason Aldean suggests. But um, is this man okay? <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. No. Um, and I also just want to say, because it, I, I really feel like it bears repeating, 
No one has ever taken anyone's guns anywhere. There are only more guns. We've you've only been allowed to have more. So I've never want like every single Democratic president. They're going to take your guns. None of them. No one's taking. None of them have done it. And I will also say that I actually became aware of this song. Not like because this song he released it in May, and so. When Danny and I went on our honeymoon road trip, we listened to like a Spotify country playlist and we had a fun time. So we were listening to the Spotify country playlist a couple months ago, cleaning the house as we do. And we heard this one song that we really like. And I feel like this shows just the two ways that a country song can go. So the first song we heard was one of the bops from our honeymoon, which is about a guy who hears a girl singing karaoke and she's so good at the karaoke that he falls in love with her. First song. And then this song came on, absolutely ruined the vibe. We had to like stop the playlist to be like, what the fuck is this? It like pissed both of us off. I didn't know anything about him. I But like that stuck. Like as soon as I Mm -hmm. saw this news story, I was like, oh my God, it's that fucking song that ruined our cleaning vibe two months ago. And the thing that Danny and I discussed then is like, these are the people who are too scared to like take the fucking subway. Yeah. Like Jason Aldean, and I said this in the newsletter, Jason Aldean, leave your gun at home, ride the subway for one stop without shitting your pants. No, literally. Literally. You won't. They're too afraid to come to New York City. They're too afraid. They act like, like we're the ones who are like quote unquote pussies with no guns and like I'm tough come try to take my gun it's like darling you you would be crying in Times Square the Elmo would try to hug you and you'd be like Meh! like you are scared of city pull your mace yeah well that's the thing about like a, a lot of these people is like you there's this viral <laughs> um picture of this guy at a subway wearing like five guns like one around his two around his waist one around his like thigh this is is like what would happen at a subway sandwich store where you would need five guns like it's just like relax yeah relax exactly these people are so but then again these are the same people who you knock on their door because you got lost and they'll shoot you right in the head yeah that's how fucking parents like, why don't you just try some anxiety medication like everybody else and like stop everybody buying else. so many fucking guns? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're, try that they in live a small town. in a state. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they live in a state try of some mental health intervote. Yeah, absolutely. This is right. That is our show. Until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up podcast. Bye-bye. The Betches Up podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at Betches.com. Betches.